Welcome back. Another installment of the Shorts and Goggles podcast. RJ Liggins and Kevin Reed. We got an NBA Finals. We're actually three games now in the finals. Lakers are up two to one against the Miami Heat. A lot of thoughts get caught up on as we get ready for uh, what could be the end of the NBA season this week. But Kev, how are we doing today? Well, just uh, we were talking before we started recording. This is a late one for us. We had we had some Somebody had a case of the Mondays, and I that person was both of us because yeah. we both had cases of the Mondays. A little we, bit. We late. didn't even have time to get to white team Monday. We were just like, fuck it. No, I can't. I'm still in work collar Monday. Oh my goodness! I had to go cozy hoodie just for like a safety blanket, man. It was, it was a Monday, but we're we're here, and like I said, at least we're in the NBA Finals, man. And yes. there's there's still plenty to talk about. Um, even though it looked like this might be an in and out quick series that might be a little bit disappointing with Drogic and Bam going down early in game one. But Kev, um, let's just get the people up to speed, I guess, that might be might be missing out on the finals, man. What are some of your initial thoughts and takeaways from it? You 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 said my opening thought, which was um just one of gratitude. I'm I was initially concerned about the legacy of this series. You and I will do our post-finals recap and really take a historical examination of where we think this finals fits into the context of NBA finals history. But um, game three makes things interesting game. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think you and I will, will start talking about it, but um, you are correct. The injuries of, of Bam and um, Dragic had me, had me worried about just how quick this finals is going to be. I was mentally preparing this weekend to be coming into this podcast, ho-humming about a, a 3-0 Lakers lead. And then all, all of a sudden, game three happened and really has some possible roads for where we can go in terms of finals legacy. Yeah, I was I was hoping that would be the case so I can just come on here and just start talking my shit because since I've started I saw you pop, on social. I oh saw yeah. I saw I saw you on the gym. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't with me shooting in the gym, but no, like um no, this is the first time since I've had the podcast or the blog that the Lakers have actually been good in a contending in the finals. I think the first time they've been in the playoffs too. So it's been a long time. I'm ready to talk my shit. But yeah, last night, game three, um, We'll we'll dive into that a little bit more. I'll start with the first two games though, where yeah, the Lakers, sure. yeah, you have the injuries to Dragic and um, and Bam, but really the Lakers just absolutely dominated the Heat with their size, like completely overwhelmed them with Anthony Davis, um, absolutely killed them on the boards on the offensive glass. Like that's when you started to see it was some. It's a, something we've been talking about all year with the Lakers is like they just have such overwhelming size that even if you are like a switch everything kind of team or whatever, like there's going to be a mismatch somewhere and they're going to exploit it. And then also you have bench guys, especially in game one in threes and everything like that. Rondo hit like four or five threes. Um, you know, really looked like the Laker bench was starting to come together. And we'll love to talk more about the Laker bench, especially with game three that just happened. But I mean, what were your thoughts watching at least the first two games? I know we were saying, hey, these injuries is going to make this series kind of short. But I mean, like it looked like the Lakers were just in complete control from from the jump. Two words, Anthony Davis there with with those first two games. Really, um, I I don't know, cooling down my hot take about him being the most important player of the Lakers. But Mm -hmm. um Game one, Anthony Davis goes goes for 34 points on 11 of 21 shooting. 
that that's exactly what you need from him there in that standpoint. You're also looking at, you said size advantage there for the Lakers in game one, a 116 to 98 victory for the Lakers, just owning Miami on the boards, a 62 to 40 advantage on the boards, yeah. owning them in terms of field goal percentage, 45 to 42. And then the other thing was like, Miami just wasn't as good. I don't like straight up. They can't, in order for them to hang, they can't be shooting 31% from three nope. like they did in game one. And they lost the turnover battle too. So this is like <laughs> a callback for like you and me at halftime, RJ. And if we're going through like <laughs> inside stats, outside yeah. and a three point percentage field goal. And if, if we're losing all four of those categories, we're yeah. going to have a bad time. And that's uh, what the clipboard is getting thrown in that locker room. Clipboards sure. are getting yeah. thrown. It's a bad time to be losing all those stats. Yeah. Uh, game two, a similar story, a 124-114 Laker victory. Although percentages are were more even. Both teams shot better from the field. Both teams shot 50% in game two. But yeah, that was a, a high score. Or I don't know if it ended up being a high scoring game. I don't really remember, but it was like it felt like a lot of buckets during that game. Just a ton of buckets. And Miami comes back, shoots better from three in that game, a 40% clip. So they actually won the three-point percentage battle there. Miami and L.A. relatively even in turnovers, 10-1. and one. L.A. still owning the glass, out-rebounding mm. Miami in game two. This is LeBron's game, LeBron dropping 33 in game two. So yeah. you, you see you see the Lakers formula, like you said. Own the glass, um, keep turnovers in the ballpark, um, hopefully Miami doesn't have an amazing shooting night and get buckets, get those rebounds and get inside. Which was basically everything you just said. It was everything that didn't happen last night. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I mean, yeah, you're right. That's really the formula for them. It's like value possessions. Don't turn the ball over and own the glass. And if they're doing that and shooting like respectable from three, like the Lakers are, are a tough team to be. And even with everything going against them last night, um, still had a really good chance to win the game. And and honestly, I thought they were going to come back and win it still, even like probably until like two minutes left in the game where you realize, okay, Miami is going to hold on to this with, you know, some clutch plays from Hero and Butler. But this – so now that it is a 2-1 series, and Bam being upgraded to questionable – instead of doubtful for game four, where do you see possibly the rest of the series playing out? Do you think the Lakers are still going to run away with it, or do we got a little bit more competitive series? Here's what you still haven't seen yet, and because I'm, I'm looking at the game three stats now, like you said, a, a 115 to 104 Miami victory. Mm-hmm. And if we're going through those four categories, Miami shoots 51% from the field, LA shoots 43. So a, a, a significant field goal percentage uh, f- for Miami. However, 35% from three for Miami to 33 for LA. So actually shooting not as well from three mm-hmm. in game three versus game two. Um, LA has more turnovers. So that's their, that's their issue there. LA has 20 turnovers to Miami's 13. LA still owning the glass. So, it, it, game three, from a statistical standpoint, like isn't how you would expect to Miami to win mm-hmm. a game in this series. They kind of want to, they want an ugly one. So it, I know for me, when I look at a series like this and I'm thinking about how it breaks down, 
LA kind of had their LA all things going right for them wins. Mm-hmm. This one I'm chalking up as a like it's this isn't an all everything went right for Miami win. This is a, a kind of an asterisk asterisk weird win. Yeah. So if you if you tell me that game four is a everything goes right for Miami win and all of a sudden we have a two two like they they shoot lights out from three and really clean up the turnovers then. All, all of a sudden, like any anything is possible with this series because you still haven't you haven't seen the the clicking of mm-hmm. Miami yet. Yeah, I think Duncan Robinson's only made like two threes in the whole series so far. He got off to a really slow start in this series. Hero Hero was big down the stretch in Game Three, but was like pretty much invisible though for most of the game. Um, so you got to factor those in. Those guys haven't really gone off yet, and you know, Hero's capable of going off Robinson's capable of going off because he's getting the looks duck at Robinson. He's just not connecting on him right now. Still, still being aggressive and creating opportunities for other guys, but you know, there's, he's too good of a shooter to just be over six, you know, every single night. So that's where, if you look at the heat, you're like, yeah, there's still plenty of opportunity for them to, to make this series interesting. And yeah, when you lose guys, it is tough, but even the difference between game one and game two, where they really started to settle into that new lineup of theirs. Um, and uh, like, we haven't even brought up this guy yet. Kelly Olenek yeah. being a shoot, being a big presence for them off the, off the bench. Um, he just opens up that offense so much for them just because he can stretch outside. He brings the big outside to the three point line, a uh, really good passer can finish inside, like just a really solid offensive player. So yeah, obviously you want Bam in that spot instead. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it, from an offensive standpoint, it's not as major of a drop-off that people would initially say by slotting Kelly into there. Kelly's got to be his best self um, in, in order in order for that to work. Yeah, I have a – He's doing that so far. I think he's yeah. like 24 and 21 or 19 the past two games. Like, it's pretty pretty good for a guy coming off the bench. No question, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to flip this look at the LA angle with you. And do you, do you see this as a, you were, you were agreeing with what I'm saying about this being like an Asterix Miami ugly win. Do you, should we have seen this coming? Like, should we have seen a, a sleepwalk game for the Lakers? I think it was, I think Jeff Van Gundy like openly mm-hmm. called out the Lakers at one point for like looking like they're sleepwalking. I, there was, you know, this is like classic, like coach focusing on something, but there was like, like some big momentum play happened for Miami. And then like, no one came to get the inbound pass. Like yeah. after the made basket and, and LeBron's like, just standing there like, yeah. yo, is someone going to get this? Like, <laughs> someone going to come let me pass the ball to them. And yeah, Van Gundy was all over that. Like these guys are, he's like, they're not into it tonight. They were they comfy. Yeah. Were we a little too comfy LA? Yeah. I mean, it was either that or like they, they just didn't want to be there last night, which is weird. But no, man, I think it was super evident in the first quarter where they had, I think, 10 or 11 turnovers just in the first quarter. And there were a lot of them were really just careless passes, like, you know, throwing it into traffic or uh, dribbling into traffic and then, you know, having someone on Miami poke the ball loose. And that was like the, the reason why Miami built up a big lead in the first place was all of those turnovers were live turnovers. So Miami would go and convert on the other end. Here's what's like 
So here's the thing with with game three. Davis is in foul trouble early. He gets yeah. three, three fouls in the first half and then picks up his fourth early in the second half. So he's kind of neutralized the whole game. But, like, even then, like, is very passive in just the way he's playing. LeBron is not quite, like – if there was an opportunity for him to like steal the finals MVP conversation once or for all, like last night was the time to do it with AD and foul trouble, not really being aggressive. That's his turn to to take the reins, so to speak, and put up like a, a 38 or like a 40 point game. Right. Right. If I would have told you though, that last night, Kyle Kuzma and Marquise Morris combined for doing the math real quick in my head, 38 points. And the bench ended up scoring in in the fifties for points for LA. You would assume they they blew them out, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's so that's the part I don't like is that we got a good game from the bench, terrible game from the starters. Actually, right. Danny Green and KCP were terrible. Um, but you got great games from Kuzma. You got great games from from Morris. Um, and Rondo wasn't shooting the ball at a high level, but still, anytime he was in the game, he was impacting it. So the Lakers, the the guys that we were worried about going to the series, like did what they were supposed to do, and they still lost the game. So that's where, if you're LA, you got to be a little bit concerned, but you're not going to have another night where AD is only in the teams for scoring, and you know that like, and LeBron's turned the ball over six or seven times. Like that's just not. I don't think that's going to happen again in this series. Eight turnovers for Braun. All right. But I was underselling it a little <laughs> bit, but you get my Almost, point, though. Yeah. I, I have your, your point's well said. Almost a quadruple double of turnovers for Braun. If you can't. <laughs> Sorry. He was, uh, he was, he was, <laughs> he was really sloppy on a couple of plays. Um, and like, look, man, Miami just like straight up played harder than them. That's really it. And not only did Miami play harder than them, there's, there's one guy in particular that straight up will. Will that team to win last night? And that's that's your boy Jimmy Buckets, man. Just is he the he, he individually? I think this would be something for us to consider stepping back from the finals a little bit. Is he the num? Is he the number one winner of the bubble, bubble from an individual standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. His entire image has been rehabilitated. Not even rehabilitated, but I think like just finally understood. Yes. And even like win or lose, he's number one. Oh, yeah. No, Not. like, no, no question. And that's so, it's so funny. Like, going into this, like, if you say LeBron wins a title and he's not the number one coming out of this, but no, I think it's, I honestly think it's Jimmy Butler as mm-hmm. from a, from a legacy standpoint, from an image standpoint. I'm, I'm glad you said that I'm going to, I've been not mulling over my, take from this morning that i was texting you but i, I just i want to talk it out, i want to talk it out loud yeah that um, was that was spicy at first man but then we talked through it a little bit so yeah let's let's keep working through this <laughs> yeah okay so i was just i was reflecting on jimmy butler today and saying this out loud you you tell me if i'm just at, like i've lost it or and also i i combine this with understandably I, I i put in like 20 minutes of uh last dance to go to bed to go to sleep last night so i had i had some i had some jordan finals energy in my mind and i have jimmy butler in this finals um right now and so i i said i said to you i woke up today thinking something that i'm not even sure i agree with myself yet that jimmy is the closest thing to mj and kobe we have right now 
to which I responded, I'm not sure where you're going with this, but I'm very intrigued. Yeah. So here, here is where I'm going with this. I'm not talking about talent. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not talking from a talent level standpoint. In fact, I think that the, the lack of talent is kind of the point, the image point that I'm talking about. I said, Jimmy's Butler's persona or his perception, his career would be if MJ and Kobe weren't as good, like still good, still very good. Like all-star still, level players. All-star, yeah. one of the best players in the league. But not like greatest of all time players. Yes. So you you take them out off that and you get a, a Jimmy career, which is, I don't know how the Kobe and Michael perceptions would have, how they would have been received if they weren't goat status. Like I have this image of um, like Jed Bushler interviewing mm. in the last dance and, or Bill Wennington, one of the two easily confusable. And they, <laughs> and they, and they, <laughs> and they say like, all right, man. Like, I mean, we basically like we put up with shit because Michael was so good. Yeah. And I, I just, I wonder where that threshold is. I wonder where the line is of like, if a player is good enough to be so demanding, there's like some sort of graph I'm trying to do in my head where I was like their level of de- how demanding they are is the X axis and their talent levels, the Y, like where is mm. the point where. And then there's like product, like production and output. Is somewhere yeah. In there all too. sorts of crazy yeah. graphs going on. Like, so moral of the story, I think like Jimmy Butler for a while there while being very good and NBA all-star caliber and all that, like wasn't good enough mm. to, to quite command the room. Like, I don't know. Here's a hypothetical. Like do, does Minnesota work out better if like Jimmy Butler is a goat? Does Chicago work out better if Jimmy Butler is a goat? The, like do the guys in Philly come in line if he's a goat? He kind of is this this like vagabond from going from place to place, mm-hmm. good enough to command the room, but not like elite enough to have people like want to be like, oh, we should we should do this because of Jimmy. But now he's in a situ- but now he's in a situation where that's part of the culture and that's part of all that the whole Miami Heat organization where he's not the only one who thinks that. He has Coach Spolstra mm-hmm. doing that. He has Pat Riley looking down from the bubble and commanding that so now he's in a place where he is thriving and we're we're seeing that he doesn't have to cajole that out of people he doesn't have to drag people like right you know jordan was doing in chicago at the end and where um like kobe was doing on some of those lakers teams just Mm. like getting everything they've got out of people at a point where you're willing to sacrifice camaraderie and um I don't know. Perception perception of who you are kind of like, yeah. I mean, I think what you're really getting at is like, did we misunderstand Jimmy Butler this whole time? Like, and you know what, what I could see happening with this finals run is that Jimmy comes out of it almost overrated a little bit. Yes. People are going to be like, Oh, he's a top 10 player. And it's like, he might be, he might be, but it might be, I mean, like four months ago, were we saying that? Like probably not. If anything, like, I feel like the common conversation was, like, people, I don't want to say mocking him, but people were saying, like, this guy really thinks he's, like, as good as LeBron. Yes. He thinks he's as good as these guys. He carries himself like that. Absolutely. And so just because, like, to what you're getting at, because Jimmy rubbed some people the wrong way in Minnesota and in Philly, like, did we 
did we undervalue him for some reason because of it? And if so, like why? Because like that's what we always idolized with or or romanticized with Kobe and Michael was the fact that they were fucking psychopaths. Yes. That, you know, um drove people, you know, drove people to the unnecessarily uncomfortable and you know like borderline traumatic experiences yeah you know what i'm saying and it's like all right so that's what jimmy was doing in these places in in philly and in minnesota and if anything what this finals run has done is it's shining a light of just how ridiculously incompetent those those places have been like you asked me if jimmy's a goat things in minnesota different i think no because Mm. Minnesota has only made the playoffs one time the year he was there. They've only made it one time in the past 16 years or something like that. Philadelphia. We've seen, we've been watching these guys closely. Thanks to Tyler in our 76 seconds, uh, 76ers. But it's like, we've seen that. No, like they, they, first off, they should have ran it back and kept him and Reddick. They should have done that. Just kept that team. That that team was, you see, you see Reddick come out. Yeah. Yeah, Reddick Reddick is loving this, man. Reddick's tight. He's loving this, yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, Philly got rid of him because they were like, our elite guys are guys that have good potential. Like, you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work with them. And that's basically what Minnesota said, too, was like, well, Towns could be a GOAT. So we're going to side with him on that one. Uh It, it, It is crazy that it's like these the way that we romanticize competitive yes. nature, but then when people actually are competitive to the point of, of confrontation, um, then it's like, we back off of it unless they are that special talent. But the thing with Jimmy Butler, I think that's misunderstood is that he, he is very open about who he is. And he's like, I'm, I am all about confrontation and like, the place that it's coming from is from a good place. And it's because I want to win and I want our team to be successful. Yeah. Like there's not a selfish bone in Jimmy bone, Jimmy Butler's body. Like he's not coming. He's not coming at people because he's like, I need these stats or because like I need a win so that my legacy improves. Like he's a genuine, I'm doing whatever it takes for this team to win. And you saw it last night, the guy did as much as you possibly can on a basketball floor to, to win that game. And people are calling it like an all timer performance. And it's like, I don't know if I'm going to go that far and say it's like a top 15, like finals performance. Cause there's just been a lot of finals, but like, it's going to be one of those ones that like, we remember, like, yeah. we're going to be like, Hey, remember when Jimmy Butler just fucking went, went off. And I compared it to the Dirk moment because, and yeah. the reason why I did that was I was thinking about what LeBron said after game one, where he was talking about being up one of they, absolutely just beat the brace off of Miami. And he brings up the story about Dallas in game two and how they came back in game two and stole a game and how that like basically changed the whole series. And Jimmy Butler's kind of in a similar position as Dirk was in 2011, where his back's against like nobody, like people were picking the heat, but like realistically, I don't think anybody just really expected the heat to win. If that makes sense. It was more like the cute pick or whatever. That's like, I, I could be right. You know, kind of the contrarian pick for some people, but not for you. Cause you've been driving the bandwagon for a while, but honk, honk, it's yeah. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, and even I going into it, I'm glad like we didn't, we didn't do any predictions, but 
like I don't know if I would have. I don't know if I would have had the gall to come out with a heat right. like I like I did throughout the entire Eastern Conference. Yeah, and it's like funny when you compare Dirk and Jimmy because like Dirk was an MVP, like yep. that that elite level that you're talking about, that gold yeah. level. Totally different personality though. Like people thought he was soft that you could kind of like push him around. Yep. Like totally different guy, but like same sort of deal where it was because of our perception of who he was yes. like personality wise, we devalued how good he was from a production and ability standpoint. It, um, that I loved your, your Dirk comparison. And I think that's right. It's like you said, a different, per, a perception shift nonetheless, but a different perception shift. Mm-hmm. And it, for, I think it, what makes it powerful and what makes it interesting is the, um, the stakes, the skin in the game that both those guys have. That's like Dirk realizing that's his last legitimate shot at winning a title. And he's going to be remembered for 2006 for all of his life. If he mm-hmm. doesn't like, if like something doesn't change and something changes, Jimmy's on the only team that would take him basically in the NBA is like Pat Riley. I don't know if that's true, but like, I'm, I'm guessing. That was the, the perception right for sure. Yeah, I think, yeah. It, but yeah. like he, like you this this has to work or else it's 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 not gonna work and mm-hmm. at, le- at least for one night um th- we that that happened i am um, one more thing i wanted to add about it's just the idea i don't know what i'm gonna call this theory but like the talent threshold or some like like where you can pull off being as demanding of a of a leader like that is um like paul george for example we we roasted mm. paul george extensively in this podcast for his like hey guys let's come back and run it back and in the whole clippers organization basically telling him <laughs> Shut to the off. fuck up yeah <laughs> paul george an example of someone who's not does not have the talent to mm. pull off that type of comment mm-hmm. for jimmy let's say he does pull this off because we saw i mean we've podcast extensively about the impact it had on dirk winning that yes. title and vaulting him to all-time status yes dude if jimmy butler wins this title is he an all-timer yeah um in in the same way dirk is that's why the comparison's so good um mm-hmm. all the different factors going into it um being down two games to none mm-hmm. it, also that that adds a little 2011 flavor to it and again just like 2011 the fact that it's lebron the fact that it's someone who will be talked about as in the discussion for the best of all time uh forever Mm. the who you pull it off against the fact that there's down a couple games absolutely yes that map that he teams kind of like that math team too a little bit it's very very similar as far as just like just a bunch of guys that know what the fuck they're doing and aren't afraid of the moment. <laughs> like just those having those guys on there, but to bring it back to LeBron and our favorite topic, the soul of basketball. Yes. Obviously 2011 is a pretty big smear on his resume. It is. If, if the Lakers lose this final, is this worse than 2011? I'm pausing. Not for effect. I'm pausing. Dramatic pause. This is a a superb question. Thank you. The bigger smear on LeBron's legacy, is it this or is it 2011? Um, Let me talk this one out. 2011 has such a smear to it. So much of that's because of how 
him and Wade and Bosch came into the year. A lot of posturing. A, a lot, lot of, of posturing. A lot of LA Clippers 2020 vibes. <laughs> a ton. So, and that, and the, ah, man, that's such a good comp because, like, you know the talent level, but I think at points throughout the season, there has been maybe this year there's been more red flags about roster construction. Like, you know, I feel like the talking heads every now and then will talk about roster construction mm-hmm. and be like, well, I don't know if I don't, they could, this team could use a this or this team could use a that. I don't, I don't remember the check me on this. I don't remember that with Miami. I don't remember like complaint. Now, certainly they rebuilt their roster and mm-hmm. added a couple critical pieces that are why they, went on the run that they went on and why they won the two after that. But I don't remember that happening in the moment. I remember them being thought as a Thanos juggernaut. Yeah. I think the conversation for them was like the whole chemistry thing, just because they kind of, yeah. they were out, the, they were out the gates a little slow, but then they just went on a fucking tear and just like, well, uh, I mean, but the bulls, so the bulls had a better record than them that year. Actually, now that I'm remembering, cause they played them in the conference finals and the bulls. Yeah. Had, at home court advantage. Right. But I think by the time that they got to the playoffs, they were just running through teams at that point. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know if roster ever came up with them. I think it was like, it was like chemistry. Like, do they only, they can beat themselves. Plus you had like a pretty unproven coach at the time. LeBron mm-hmm. hadn't gone over the, the hump yet. So it was kind of like, eh, we'll see. Um, I think this could be worse. Honestly, talk me into it. I think it could be worse because it's like LeBron's not playing bad, but like LeBron's also not like blowing you away either. You know what I'm saying? So LeBron, he has a uh, shout out to, I think who said this Logan bird. I got thing on, on the mm-hmm. ringer. That's our, our ringer shout out for today. Yes. You did um, it. Not me. Yes. Yeah. I, did. I know. I know. I know. I, I can see you just like, just biting your cheek. <laughs> trying not to actively trying not to, <laughs> uh, but he was saying LeBron has his way of like slapping up like a 28, seven and seven, eight, but like, look like he's just coasting. Like he's that good. He can right. have a, a triple double and look like he's not, fully into the game um and i think he was saying this like last series so he wasn't even talking about the last game that just happened he's talking about last series how he could kind of do this sometimes so it's like if they so it's like imagine if they do lose this series but lebron has like good numbers Uh i feel like that's pretty that's going to be worse because at least with like 2011 you can at least point to that and just be like well yeah lebron played like ass he was terrible um and i think that's more of the smear than anything is that lebron like shrunk from the moment that is part of the smear dude that yeah it, it totally that totally the like it's more def- about that than who yes. beat them like i think is the fact that lebron disappeared so it's like if lebron is like putting so it's like you know it's that thing that everyone talks about where it's like if you go back and you look at the numbers or you look at the box scores or whatever and lebron is averaging 29 10 and and nine and the lakers still lost to a team that's missing you know a key starter it was missing their arguably their best player um for part of the series and they're like wait these guys lost somehow like the only way that that could could happen is if anthony davis just falls off a cliff for the rest of the series which i don't think that's gonna happen but 
that's why I say, like, if they do end up losing this series, especially after being up 2-0, like, I think that one could be worse than – could be worse than 2011. It, it certainly will really impact how we look at the final chapter, quarter, segment, whatever, of LeBron's career. Mm. If um, winning this one this year takes so much pressure off him the rest of his career. Yeah. Um, I, I still keep getting, I'm, I'm still hung up on 2011. 2011 was for all the reasons we've said, such a revolutionary moment for the NBA. And it's just such a damning moment for him. It is. Oh yeah. It's bad. It's bad. It is bad. Oh my gosh. I just, and I just thought about him and Wade doing the like fake Dirk is sick thing. <laughs> yeah. The coughing and the, oh, the concourse. Man. Yeah, did it. Yeah, you're you're right. That was that was really bad, and that's always going to be the one that's going to come up no matter what. Like if you if you need to make a point of why LeBron isn't as great as everybody says he is, like 2011 is the, the easy go to, and you can't you can't like argue against it. It's like it's the checkmate argument. It's so bad. Um, that being said, though, uh, is this a good time to do some? transition into mj lebron let's do it all right it was bound to come up <laughs> you know it it's at, at some point even we have to have mj lebron conversations because they're just fun to have i i enjoy them and every angle that pops up and so um i try i'm i'm trying to find a different way to have like a segment where it's a little bit off like whether it's a children's book or whether it's something like this um fuck that some, book by the way yeah man <laughs> crazy uh yeah um this this is coming from (laughs) shannon sharp the legend and Uh, uncle shan uncle shannon uh club shay shay himself is is saying that he thinks that well he he openly calls lebron goat james and Mm -hmm. he does this whole thing where he puts on a goat mask and it's, it's good fun good good fun had by all but his point is that if you take a starting five of LeBron's finals competition, finals only, and that's big. I'll explain in one second why that's big. Versus Jordan's only starting five competition. He says his argument being that LeBron has played against tougher individual opponents in the finals versus Michael. Here are the rosters for each team as said by Shannon. I first want to ask you if you would amend any of these rosters. Yeah. I haven't looked at it in a while, but there's one that jumps out to me. Pretty, okay. Pretty glaringly. So LeBron's versus starting five is Steph, mm-hmm. Kawhi, mm-hmm. KD, mm-hmm. Dirk, Tim Duncan. Jordan's versus starting five, Gary Payton. Magic, Clyde, Chuck, and Malone. Mm. I, it does, this exercise does remind you that Jordan missed Olajuwon. Somehow, the somehow, Olajuwon some wins that two never titles. Happened. Jordan wins six around him and they never play each other. It, it is, 
I don't know. It's not damning, but it's an interesting little thing. I mean, he's by far the the one that has the best chance to beat those guys. Yeah. Oh, like those, Kenny, those Kenny Smith talks about it all the time, and he has a very good point that it's like they would not have known what to do with with Akeem Olajuwon. He would have just torched them. Oh, especially, yeah. especially like if it was like a 94 type situation where they've played in the final for three straight years and you know they're tired <laughs> like, on the other hand a lot of the solid big man battles jordan had were in the eastern conference finals so it's mm-hmm. not like jordan never played against patrick ewing alonzo morning etc Shaq in Orlando mm-hmm. he just caught them in the Eastern Conference Finals as opposed to in the NBA Finals agreed yeah yeah um, do you need me to read those again I think I got it so okay. I thought Peyton was interesting that Peyton is was, interesting. Uh, I, I feel like even though he was better than John Stockton at that time you would you would think he would yeah. use Stockton for his argument Actually, now that I say that out loud, though, yeah, Peyton was better in 96. That was a better Gary Peyton than a better John Stockton. Yes, John Stockton was. was in 97 and 98. Absolutely true. All right. I might keep that one then. All right. Clyde is in his prime in 92. That's the best Clyde's ever played. So That's that one makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I would have loved to have seen Sean Kemp in there somewhere because that was the best he ever played. You too. know, I don't know – I would too. That's such a that'd be biz- bizarro power forward lineup with Kim, Kim Barkley and, and Malone. And Malone, <laughs> Kim Barkley and Malone. So, oh wow. Yeah. So I don't think you can do that though. So if you went through, if you went through the MVP voting for, uh, I guess before we do that, I'll, I'll talk about the other lineup too. Sure. Are we sure Kawhi needs to be in that lineup? So would you would you put Clay in there instead of Kawhi? I would think so. I would think so too. I don't, yeah. cause that's like, we just did the exercise where we talked about that's a great Gary, a better Gary Payton than, yeah. I think that's a better Clay Thompson than a better Kawhi Leonard at this point. I think, I think so. I mean, Kawhi is good, but Kawhi is not like Kawhi, Kawhi at that point. So I'm not, yeah. and I really don't have a better, I really don't have a better answer of who else to put. Should we put Jimmy in there? <laughs> you might have to now after after what he did last night um yeah so i would i would probably put clay in there though are you yeah we're keeping dirk there we just had a whole we we love dirk on this podcast we had we a wax yeah we had a wax we, we do um duncan that's old duncan that's 2007 though we forget oh yeah people forget that, that would that, people do forget that one yeah well, I mean, it makes sense. It was that's a worst, great point. The worst Two, final. So, 2007, Tim Duncan yep. at the peak of his powers. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, and then, so then it was Katie, Dirk, and Steph. Okay. Yeah. All right, man. Break it. So break it down for me. How many of those people that he played against were MVPs when LeBron played him, and then how many were MVPs when Jordan played him? Because Barkley was an MVP year, yes. right? Ninety three. Yes. Sam Malone in ninety seven. Yes. Uh, who was the other was? Gary Payne was defensive player of the year. So defensive I mean, player of the year. I think Drexler was like either second or third in MVP. Yeah. Did, I can see that. Did Magic win in ninety one? MVP. 
Yeah, he is that, he, a, is that a Jordan MVP? That I think that's a Jordan MVP because I think I think Magic won in ninety. Or that would make uh, sense. Yeah, because Magic went eighty-seven. No, he went eighty-seven, eighty-eight, eighty-nine. So somebody else won those years, but it's probably Jordan. Probably, probably Jordan. Probably Jordan. I would assume so. Wait, hang on. Four, eight, five. It's got to be eighty-seven, eighty-eight. Yeah, that okay. That lines up. Okay. Yeah. 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 So and then for LeBron, Steph was an MVP one yep. of the years. Um, and that's it. As far as, far as people that were MVPs. During those Who was two thousand? Was was that LeBron? Duncan. And, does Duncan ever? How many times, if ever, has Duncan won an MVP? Twice. I think it was back to back in like o two and o three. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, o uh, seven was uh, our boy Dirk, who well, played them the year before. So in o six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Kawhi has never been an MVP. He was Finals MVP for his series, but. And then Clay Thompson, obviously, too. So, so right there, Shan's Shan's argument's got some Shay's argument's got some holes in it. <laughs> just just looking at it that way. Yes. But I would say Kevin Durant is, excuse me, as good or better than everybody on the, the Jordan five. Kevin Durant is Are we we're factoring in when they play? I because there is something I feel like to be that's said. that is part of the argument. I, yeah. So there is something to be said about let's call it beginning of downhill for Magic. Yeah, still good, but like still, you know, like not eighties Magic. No, like the roller coaster has just started to go. Like you're mm-hmm. you're just starting to go down on the roller coaster with Magic in that ninety season, ninety one season. Yeah. Is you are saying that Kevin Durant is the best? Kevin Durant in that year is the best player of that list. I think you are right. Yeah, and thank you for qualifying the Magic part of that because I forgot Magic was in the lineup. So, yeah, that was, that was think, good to qualify I, for that yeah. that year. In 1991 is is 2017 and 2018. Kevin Durant better than Magic Johnson, like I would yes. say so. Yeah, I would say so, and better than. Peak Duncan. Ah, that's, ah, that's. I mean, that's not. Well, I'm just talking. I'm just talking about the Jordan Five. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just talking about the Jordan. Okay. Five. Okay. That's Chuck's MVP season. Peak Chuck. That is Peak Chuck. Ooh, okay. Peak Chuck's. That's tough. But I think so. Still. I think so too. I think we and I do this too because I have my moments of of hater haterness but uh i think we really downplay how fucking good kevin durant was in those finals in 17 and 18 he's yeah he's I, really really good he's really good so so that's where uh Coche has a has a point where it's like if you look at kevin durant during during those finals if you look at dirk during his finals duncan wasn't the mvp for his 07 finals and he wasn't the mvp for the 14 finals either Kawhi was for 14 but that was kind of like one of those Iguodala type of MVPs where it's like the team beat them and the guy that stopped LeBron got the MVP. Steph hasn't won a finals MVP yet. But Steph played really well in the 17 and 18 finals, I thought. He, he had a chance to win finals MVP on one of those years. 
Whereas think, none of those guys ahead. on the Jordan one of finals MVP for obvious reasons. I think I agree with Unk here. Ooh. I, th- I think I do, man. I, I'm, 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 and I, and I'm going to say, I think there's much more like peakness. Uh, that's not a word. There's, there's much more <laughs> peak. There's no, whatever. There's much more peakness. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I feel like with the Jordan, the Jordan roster, you're, you're ah, who wasn't, I'm not from Portland. So I don't look at Clyde like you do. That's, I, that's my guy. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? I, I don't. So, like, when I'm looking at and I'm going head to head, I'm like, man, Durant would absolutely smoke Clyde. Well, here's the here's the other part of the Jordan thing, too, is, like, like you look at Clyde, and it's like, the reason why we think it is because Jordan laid the absolute smack it's true. It's on true. Clyde. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, that's why. Well, we've seen these other guys actually beat LeBron. That is a comment I'm looking in here. <laughs> and the comment is, he lost to all of them, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, <he> yes. <laughs> yeah. And then Shannon replies to him and says, tougher competition, duh. <laughs> so does the fact that LeBron lost to all these guys somehow... Does that Shannon's help? Point? Does that help the case? <laughs> oh, man. Uncle Shay, he's going a little too hard with the hen dog in the backwoods on that one. I don't know. You're going with Jordan. I think so. I think there was more. I think I, uh, I stick. I stand by what I said that Katie is the best player, uh, of of that ten. I would say of the ten guys there, he's the best player during those peak years. Yeah. But I think the Jordan guys had more peaks in that lineup. Peyton had a peak. Uh, I mean, Malone was an MVP. It might not have been his peak, but he was in the season MVP. Same with uh, Barkley, and then Drexler was like a top three finisher, and then Magic is Magic. So I think I'll give that the edge for now. Yeah, I hear you. I, it's a funny roster construction. The, the Gary Payton thing throws me off so much, but it's the like, Gary Magic backcourt and yeah. the and the Chuck Chuck and Carl working together. Dream team, baby. <laughs> They're running it back. Oh, my goodness. I, I, there's more. I feel like that team. Bro, that Durant and the whiskey dunk in front court, though. Holy shit. There's a lot of Ooh. buckets on that team. Baby. There's a lot of buckets right there. And Steph. Steph just hoisting from wherever. It's, yeah, it's just three seven-footers in your front court, and then Steph just getting buckets. Like, yeah, you can put, put Clay, you can put Iguodala, you can put fucking anybody in that yeah, spot. Anyone you want. We're putting Jimmy in there next year, so I, maybe absolutely. Like, let's see what happens tomorrow. We shall see. Uh, did we ever get a seventy-six seconds from Tyler? No, that I mean, uh, I also like texted him right before we came on air, and it's been as we established, yeah, a late a late Monday for us. So it's been a long Monday for the crew. So. Not Tyler's fault, but um, I, we still blame him. It's all right. Okay, it maybe in um, I'm assuming. We can do a hypothetical one because I'm assuming um, we just need to praise the hire of Doc Rivers for 76 seconds. I'm thinking so. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, first off, were you surprised how fast this all happened? Yes. Um, That was quick. Cow. Yeah. That just, I, 
Let me put this on my clock. 76 seconds of the 76ers, our favorite segment begins yep. now. Wow, that was quick, man. I like if nothing else, that shows you the appeal and the value of Doc is that there wasn't even any um, like gamesmanship. There wasn't a courtship. There was like, Doc, we need you come to Philly now. And what a great hire for all the reasons Tyler talked about last week. The he's he's a culture guy. He's he's clearly not an X's and O's guys, Doc. We got to work on that. But like. <laughs> He, he, I think for the, what the situ- <laughs> what the situation calls for in Philadelphia, perfect hire. Yeah, I think uh, I made a comment that the courtship of Doc Rivers took seventy six <laughs> seconds, so it would have been perfect <laughs> for this segment. Um, but it, you know, it's one of those things where I was like, that almost happened like a little too quick, and I kind of wonder like how actually involved was Mike D'Antoni, and how like seriously was he being considered as a candidate. And if he was seriously considered as a candidate, how interested was he in the position? Because they moved off that pretty quick. It was like, basically, you're like hope, waiting for a chick to like break up with her boyfriend. You're talking to this other girl and then she breaks up and you're like, all right, deuces. Like, I'm just going to go do this now. So, so I mean, that was one thing that stood out to me. But, I mean, we talked about it last week. This is the hire that makes the most sense for them. They still have a lot of stuff they need to figure out. With their roster, as we said, if you had Doc Rivers with Jimmy Butler and J.J. Reddick still on that team, that's a championship contending team. We'll see what happens next, though, because I do imagine with Doc coming in, there are going to be some personnel moves. And that is my take, you know, that uh, I'm sure Tyler is going to be stewing on over the week is trying to figure out who exactly he needs to trade. Um, Someone did point out, too, that uh, Tobias Harris played his best season under Doc Rivers. So who for thought. Boy, we haven't spent any time of our 76 seconds talking about Tobias Harris. No. Should, I mean, has he given us a reason to? <laughs> no. And inversely, that's kind of the point. And that is kind of the point. And that America is 76 seconds of 76ers brought to you by Bank of America. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, someone sponsor us. Shit. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh man, cool. Well, uh, got game four tomorrow for the yep. finals. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I think, and then the next game after that, game five is going to be on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. So there's going to be a little bit of a break. If there's a game six, there'll be one on Sunday. So who knows? The next time that you guys tune in, we might have an NBA champion, or we could be looking at trying to figure out who's going to win a game seven. Which, wow, but. In the meantime, it is RJ and Kevin with the Shorts and Goggles podcast. You can follow us at Shorts Goggles Pod. Nailed it that time. Really had to slow down, make sure that I got that all in there. But we are on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Breaker, pretty much anywhere where you can get podcasts, you can find the Shorts and Goggles there. We'll be back next Monday, either with an NBA champion or trying to walk through a game seven. But in the meantime, we are out.